Bergeron punctuates it. And he creates his own offensive chance with that motor. Krejci to Coyle. Hey there. Welcome to another edition of the Nesson Bruins podcast. I'm Nesson.com's Logan Mullen, joined once again and as always by Nesson.com's Lauren Campbell and Mike Cole. Guys, how's it hanging? It's hanging. Mike, is it hanging? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Always hanging. yeah. Um, plenty of Bruins stuff to dive into this week, uh, most notably the return of Tuka Rass. So we'll just get going right there uh Tuka Rask after a somewhat lengthy delay you'll actually remember if you are a regular listener of this podcast that the Tuka Rask deal actually was leaked slash became official while we were recording this very podcast one week ago to the day uh so since then he's played let's see 80 minutes of hockey one game and then 20 minutes Tuesday uh in a win Thursday over the Philadelphia Flyers he looked pretty good uh, and then he got yanked after the first period, giving up five goals against the Hurricanes on Tuesday. I'd say maybe two of them you would probably expect him to have ordinarily. The rest was kind of like, well, what do you expect from the guy? So uh, initial impressions, I guess, Mike, you go first. Uh, probably too early to tell, which is not a great take for a podcast, but um, looks about the same. I, you know, I don't know, like there's not, I don't, put too much stock into what night was what's say Wednesday so Tuesday I don't, yeah sorry I forgot the day of the week there for a second um I don't put too much stock into Tuesday night uh because that was just a complete meltdown from everybody involved um if you look at that first period I'm not really sure which saves you look at and like he's got to have those you know and I think Cassidy is the kind of has been critical of them in the past when you know they need to get saves and that didn't feel like one of those nights. Um, and then I go back to the to the Philly game, and I mean he didn't see a shot on goal for like ten minutes into the first period or whatever. So I don't think Philly's the best measuring stick either. Um, but at times he has made big saves on point blank chances, so that is good to see um, from time to time. He looks. He looks healthy. I guess that's the most important thing. Um, and he says he feels a little bit better even than he did last year. So, well, I mean, I would imagine it's a lot better than he felt last year. So um, I think it's still too early to tell, but there's not anything too surprising one way or the other from, from Tuka so far. Yeah, I think uh, the most important thing, as Mike said, is that he looks healthy. He's moving across the crease really well. Um, he even said that he's making saves this year that last year were out of the question. So I think that any questions about his health should be answered with that um same thing not really thinking too much about tuesday's game i think at some point there was bound to be a game like that from the bruins during the stretch and tuca having a an off start um but again there's not much he can do when the rest of his team doesn't show up so um but against the flyers i thought he looked great um looked like vintage tuca at times and he made some big stops on those breakaways which we haven't seen too much from Allmark or swayman in the past, this past season. So overall, I mean, I'm fine with it. It's obviously one and a half starts. So not, not getting my hopes up, but also not going to sit here and be like, this guy stinks. Right. Which I'm sure many people might be right now. He has been incredibly good on breakaways. Like for as tough as uh, Tuesday night was for him, he did have a breakaway on, uh, was it Nita Ryder or Aho? It was one of them, but 
Yeah, I mean, it, it is too early to tell, right? I mean, it's he hasn't been so bad that you need to be concerned. Like, I, I do really think that Tuesday's loss to the Hurricanes was an aberration in every regard. So you probably shouldn't be formulating sweeping opinions based on that alone. And he was good against the Flyers, but the Flyers stink, and they're losing a bunch of games right now. So, you know, maybe the truth lies somewhere in the middle. I also think we're probably a few weeks, maybe even a month or two away from actually knowing how Tuka Rask really is coming back. The two things you need to look for right now is how is he bouncing back from a health standpoint? For now, that seems to be fine. And then how's his puck tracking? And there was one goal last night where it looked like he lost it. And had he not, he probably would have had it. But otherwise, you know, his puck tracking seems fine. So time will tell. I mean, there's really he's going to get a lot of leash, obviously. And I think they're going to try and get him back to the form that he's capable of being at it's too soon. I mean, the, the guy hadn't played for five, six months. I mean, if you go back to the start of, or the end of last season, you're looking at what, seven months without a game. So no kidding. The guy's probably going to have to knock a little bit of rust off. Uh, you know, I wouldn't say I'm at the point of being even remotely concerned, but you know, in that vein, the Bruins had, you know, taken points in eight out of nine games and then they just get run out of the building by uh, the Carolina hurricanes they're talking about it being one of those games they just kind of flush. And I guess that ultimately I agree with that. There is maybe a level of concern that twice now they haven't looked that great against Carolina. And, you know, maybe we look at this differently. Had they not played very well against uh, the lightning a little bit prior to that, the predators on Saturday. Uh, so I guess the question is, you know, how much does the, loss to the hurricanes especially in the fashion with which it happened sort of diminish i guess how well they had been playing if at all yeah i don't i don't think that's a i i don't want to overreact too much but i think you can if you want to be negative about it you could explain away the success they had against tampa and even nashville and be like well who have they beat and i think that's kind of unfair because Tampa and Nashville are good but I I wasn't overly impressed with what I saw from the lightning in that game and in the the Nashville game the Bruins kind of tried to give that one away like they had the early lead and, and the Preds came back and forced overtime um which is a, a long way of saying I'm not getting too ahead of myself on anything with this team I think the truth probably lies somewhere in between. Like, I don't think they're a team that is going to consistently go into Tampa and beat the lightning and consistently, you know, they, they swept the season series against Nashville. Um, I don't think they're going to consistently do that. Uh, but I also don't think they're going to, you know, get pasted by a team like Carolina every time they play them, despite the fact that they've been outscored, what is it? 10 to two by Carolina this year. Um, so again, it's kind of similar to the wrestling where it's, it's a little too early to tell, and they, the truth probably is somewhere in the middle. Um, you know, I, I give them full credit, though, for, for stringing together wins at a time they absolutely had to. Like, they are back in this thing. Like, we were talking about it last week um, that they, you know, they had kind of put themselves into a playoff position. And I think, by and large, they're going to be better than the team that they play against. Uh, I think that's just kind of the nature of the league right now. It's the nature of their division. Um, but the nature of the conference even too. Um, but I think it is, you know, there are going to be major question marks from now on going into games against teams that are worth a damn. 
And I think too, that this is very common for the Bruins to go on some sort of stretch run in December and January. And then just kind of, I don't want to say burn out because it's only been one game since they're, since they got beat really, really bad. But, you know, I think that I'm not putting too much stock into a seven, one loss. I think that they, they played well against Tampa and the Capitals, even though Mike said that there wasn't too much to be impressed by with the lightning. Um, and the Bruins probably won't go in there nine times out of 10 and beat them, but they're still, they showed during the stretch against good teams that they can beat good teams, which was an issue at the beginning of the season. Nashville is a strong physical team and Boston was able to keep up with them, but they need to be able to do that with a more physical team and the hurricanes. If they even want a shot at the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, I think at this point, we're still kind of fact finding with the Bruins because it had been, such a weird schedule at first and they've been playing so much better now. I mean, I think the bottom line is that it would take a monumental collapse for the Bruins to not make the playoffs at this point. Like, like they have space on the teams beneath them. Um, and if they basically play a little above 500 hockey, the rest of the way, I would venture to guess. And that's just going off the top of my head, but I would guess that they should get into the playoffs with relative ease. I mean, they, they've gained ground on the Maple Leafs. Like they're not far behind uh, from a third place spot in the division. So they're chipping away. What you need to see is that they can continue to play well against teams like the lightning and figure things out against Carolina. The, the Bruins released their February schedule and looking at it right now, the first two games are against Pittsburgh and Carolina. And then they also play the Rangers and they have Colorado twice between the end of January and the end of February. So like there are going to be those measuring stick games and I think you can be content with where the Bruins are at now because they are winning games. They are banking points. And if you're going to criticize them for losing to say the Sabres or the Red Wings, then there has to be at least a level of like, well, at least they can take care of business against the teams they need to take care of business against. But at this point, I would say that those games, if you are fairly confident, like I am, that the Bruins are going to get into the playoffs, then you have to basically be looking at those games against Carolina, Florida, Tampa, teams of that ilk. And your primary objective should be, does it seem like they can hang around with those teams? The, the game against Nashville, they almost gave it away in the end. That's probably a game that they do give away uh, back in the fall that they're not now. So you have to look for any sort of progress. And I think that we haven't seen this version of the Bruins play enough of those very good teams to really make a solid judgment one way or the other. So, you know, not to kind of play both sides of the fence, but it is concerning that they can't beat Carolina. They hadn't looked great against Florida, but, you know, I, I wouldn't say that what happened Tuesday should completely negate any sort of progress they made. Yeah, I would, in a seven-game series against Carolina, Tampa Bay, or Florida, which feel like the most likely scenarios at this point, I think Florida is the only one that I'd be like, I really don't think they have a chance to win that series. Um, and I guess probably Carolina after I, maybe Carolina should be getting close to being on that list. Um, I, I just think that going back to, to the Hurricanes specifically is, I don't know. Like I wish they were playing them again tomorrow night or something, because I, I come away from that, not knowing whether it was just their worst night of the season or it was a bad night compounded by a team that can absolutely just take their lunch whenever they want. You know what I mean? Like there's, 
you know, you are allowed over the course of an 82 game season to have three or four games where you just absolutely suck. And that was one of those ones for the Bruins Tuesday night, or they at least better hope that that was the case and not just that they are completely outclassed by a team like that. So um, we have to, I guess it's a long way of saying we got to kind of consider, uh, you know, just a bad night compounded with playing a good team. That's got to be the hope, I guess, because otherwise, yeah, that doesn't, doesn't paint a pretty picture. I think they also get a little bit of leash here because, and granted, you know, it's, it'll have been a few years at that point, but the Bruins historically, at least within the last three years have handled Carolina fairly well in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, But their goaltending has sucked. That's been the thing is Carolina was basically rolling with like Peter Mrazek, who hadn't been good. Um, it was, it was James Reimer, I think, that they had to. Like, it, the tandem that they have now is markedly better than what they had been dealing with. And, and you know, I'm, I don't watch the Hurricanes enough to say that that's been all the difference. But, you know, I, I don't know. You have to kind of hang your hat on that if you're the Bruins. If, if the season ended today by points percentage, that's who right. Boston would have in the playoffs is Carolina. And, are and they, you probably they, wouldn't feel too optimistic about that. Are they a bad matchup for the Bruins? I don't know. Like, I don't think that they were that physical that they should have completely, you know, imposed their will on the Bruins the way that they did. Probably, right? Yeah. I I mean, I know that, like, that's their MO, and I just – I'm sitting here trying to take stock of what I know about the Bruins this year, and I wonder whether that's the type of matchup that eventually is – does them in or if it's something that they had a bad night or if it's something that they can kind of adjust. I, I don't know. It's not the, the biggest defense core. It's not the best puck moving defense core either. So, you know, a strong four check probably is going to give them some problems, but I, it's, I don't know. It's just kind of something I was just thinking of. Maybe it's, uh, you know, maybe that's not what they, they want to be. I mean, we have, it wouldn't be surprising, right? Like it was, it's not dissimilar from what we saw against the Islanders last year in the playoffs. So. Yeah, they got bullied by the Islanders. Um, I, I don't know. I, I still think. I mean, you look at it. It's, it's a ten-game sample size that we've had since the start of the year. Um, so, I mean, I, I certainly wouldn't look at Tuesday and think that they should, you know, do anything super reactionary. But at the same time, like you have to go based off of what the evidence is, and so far it hasn't been great. Um, all right. So before we get out of here, uh, I guess. A newsy item is that they put Carson Kuhlman on waivers. He gets claimed by Seattle. Carson Kuhlman's gone. Um, but I think it kind of speaks to a bigger thing in that they're giving Uro Vakanainen a little bit of leash. They're giving Oscar Steen a little bit of leash. And for a team that's been criticized for not, you know, always being the best at developing young players, it seems – I don't know, curious, interesting, uh, you know, choose whatever word you like that during this nice run of success, they've gotten meaningful contributions from those younger players. So, you know, at what level are you weighing the the success that they've had with the fact that they've been able to lean on some of these guys? Like is how much of a contributing role do you think it's played that they're getting, you know, the depth, not just from guys that they signed in the off season, like Eric Holla, but guys that they've kind of been waiting on for a little bit to be impactful players. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Um, I think that it's, I mean, I'm not going to pin a lot of the, like so much of their success on, on Oscar Steen and Antoine bleed, but it does show that they're finally trusting these younger guys and wanting to see, 
not just, okay, they did, they played well for a few games. Okay. Go back down to Providence and we'll recall you when COVID happens again, or when injuries happen again. Um, they're really sticking with who is working and who is clicking with this Bruins team. And I mean, they've both been playing very well. Oscar Steen is playing some of his best hockey. It's certainly a bummer for Carson Kuhlman, but Cassidy said that Steen's just a little bit ahead of him. And I think that speaks to their confidence in Bleed and Steen. And not that they weren't confident in Carson Kuhlman, but I think that long-term or for at least the season, they see Steen and Bleed helping this team out more than Kuhlman could. Not like Carson Kuhlman didn't get opportunities either. And so if you have just a bunch of young guys who you're not entirely sure are good or not, and there's mounting evidence that one of them might not be, then why not, you know, cut bait with that guy and move on to the next bottom six young guy who hasn't had a chance to really show his, you know, show what he's capable of at the NHL level. Um, maybe you're just bound to hit on one of them at, at some point, but I do think it's an important part of the process and progressing with your young players and kind of finding, you know, finding out what you have. And I was just thinking up Coleman's got 75 games worth of NHL action, regular season, at least. Um, he's been given opportunities in the past and hasn't, you know, he's been serviceable, but nothing impressive. And I think those kind of players are expendable when you're trying to, you know, juggle your roster and, and you're looking for minutes for younger players. And, and if those players, those younger players make the most of those minutes and those opportunities, then you've got to continue to give them shots. And, and then you kind of have to make the tough decisions from there. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, it's again, it's like the theme of this week is it's still too early to tell with all of these uh, things. And, and these, these young players uh, are in a similar boat, but it's, it's encouraging to see the progress that they've seen um, from, from those sorts of players. I think, I don't know, like Logan, you're probably, better to just to answer this question are we seen either bleed or steen or whoever you want to say like more sustained encouraging play consistent play and you know in this this run here than we ever saw from coleman i think you could make an argument you could definitely make the argument i the big thing that i've started to notice is with coolman very early on, you always kind of knew what you were going to get from them. Like the ceiling yeah. seemed fairly low, but the floor was high. So you knew that you could at least rely on them. I think what they're seeing in Steen in particular is the floor is probably just as high as it is for Coolman, but yeah. the ceiling's higher. That's, so, that's like, that's my point. Sorry not to interrupt, but like, no, go ahead. Like that, when you're dealing with, I think it's good to have, if you, if you make the assessment that you you're dealing with a bunch of, low or high floor guys and it, they become fairly interchangeable right like you can you have the confidence to put them in there and assume that they're not going to completely cost you a game then that almost in a way makes them more expendable because like you know if one guy flashes then it's like well let's go back to that guy if, if everything's being everything else is equal so to your point yeah like yeah. I, I like how often do you have to run Carson Coleman out there before you're like or anybody like that. This is a yeah. this is a, a a pattern of sorts with with the Bruins in the last decade plus, really. Like these yeah. guys with relatively high floors, unknown ceilings, who you know a growing list of them don't reach that ceiling. So yeah. maybe a little less patience um, is is a good thing, <laughs> and in some ways. 
well, not to be dismissive of Carson Kuhlman's abilities, but he's a replaceable player, right? That's, you can yeah. find those guys in free agency every off season. And the Bruins have plenty of guys that they could call up right now that could fill that role if they needed to. I think the big thing is Oscar Steen has historically been an offensive minded player. His offensive sure. ceiling is way higher than Kuhlman's ever was going to be. And I think there are good aspects of Kuhlman's offensive game, but I think at this point you have to say, we might as well just see if Steen who has a more demonstrated history of being useful in the attacking zone is able to give us more there because we know that he'll at least be good enough defensively. I would guess that's what the mindset is. And then the quicker you get him in there and give him extended looks, the quicker you can make a decision on him and move on to the next one. You know what I mean? Like exactly. They almost took, they almost take too long sometimes with these younger players who, you know, it's just, maybe it's just not going to ever be there. You know? Yeah. Who knows? Uh, any parting thoughts guys before we get out of here? Um, no, probably not. Well, the Olympics are coming up, right? Is that the Olympics are that? coming up? A lot of ex Bruins. Yeah. yeah. I don't really have a take on that. Yeah. But I think it's, I, are you guys going to watch the Olympics hockey? We can talk about this as we get closer, but I, yeah, I'll, I want. I, I do hard. every every four years, two years, whatever it is. It's my favorite like, thing. We have AHL TV. Like I can watch the AHL at a normal time as opposed <laughs> you can to watch Aaron Ness whenever you want. Now waking up at like four a.m. to watch hockey from China. Also, the American jerseys are objectively terrible. So that's, yeah, yes. that's gross. It, a, a developing take, a parting take, if you will. Yeah. Uh, Bruins still have the RFA rights to Peter Solarik, who has been very good in the KHL. No. Curious what happens if he was a very good AHL player and he's been decent in the KHL. Just curious to see what happens if he ever decides he wants to come back to the NHL. I mean, if nothing else, the Bruins would. I know it, it seemed like things might have been a little messy with the way he ended up going back overseas, but if nothing else, the Bruins might have a good trade chip because he, they have his RFA rights. So just curious to see what happens if he ends up playing well, because he is on the Olympic roster. I, we are, we're going to be doing Not this show years. years from now. I'm sure we'll still be going strong and talking about Carson Coleman and Peter Solarik still for, you know, Anders Bjork. And <laughs> well, Lauren will make sure that. Hey. <laughs> yeah. Long live Anders Bjork. <laughs> Um, can't wait we'll bag it there before we start talking about like justin florick um (laughs) all right that's mike and lauren i'm logan this has been the ness and burns podcast till next time later